Welcome to our Granary Church podcast. We are happy you can join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Good Friday is only good because Sunday is coming. Otherwise, it's a dark and sad day. The Good Friday is good because today we celebrate good triumphing over evil. We celebrate life triumphing over death. We celebrate joy triumphing over sorrow. And today is a day of opportunity. And today I'm going to present you with a wonderful opportunity to ask yourself what is your strategy for life? Not just your future, not your career, but your strategy for life when you wake up every morning, when you put your head on the pillow every night, what is your strategy for life? And as um, Dallas Willard, a great writer wrote this. Jesus is saying this, reconsider your strategy for living in light of a remarkable opportunity. There is a remarkable opportunity that we're presented with today and you're invited to reconsider your strategy for living. It's an opportunity to be rich in being, not rich in doing, rich in being, rich in actually who you are, rich in being filled with love and filled with joy and filled with peace that passes all understanding. And so today, as, uh, as Dallas Willard writes, his hope and my hope is this. My hope is to gain a fresh hearing for Jesus today, especially among those who believe they already understand him. That may be you who heard of him as a child and you think you understand him. It may be you who've known him for a long time and, and think you understand him. It may be you who don't believe in him because you think you understand him. Or maybe you who've never heard of him. Presumed familiarity has led to unfamiliarity. Unfamiliarity has led to contempt and contempt to profound ignorance. And I would like to suggest today that all of us, if you think you know Jesus, think again. Because he will take all eternity to really understand. But we just get a little glimpse today of who he really is. Because this is what we see with Jesus hanging on the cross And this is what we know about our souls. So remember that Jesus is God in bodily form. So he has all the the restrictions and and everything that a human being has, but he is God. And he's showing us what God looks like and what people can look like who are filled with God. It shows us what humanity can look like and actually it's what we all long to look like when you see this. And what you know is that in your moment of greatest trial, and you think of all the trials and the struggles that you've had in your life, who you really are and what you really believe comes through at that very moment. You may think you're always kind, but in your moment of greatest trial, you find out if you really are. You may think you're always forgiving, but when you're really hurt, you find out if you really are. And in Jesus' moment of greatest trial, when he's hanging on the cross, falsely accused, in a moment of greatest pain, we see who he truly is. And we see what he truly believed. Because what he truly believed was that God would raise him from the dead. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone willingly to the cross. He had the power to get himself down. He would have fought for himself. He would have allowed his followers to fight for him, but he didn't. He went through with this knowing that God would raise him from the dead. Who he truly was and what he truly believed was apparent. And this is what he does on the cross. This is what he shows humanity can be like. What we see on the cross is this divine exchange, a profoundly divine exchange. He replaces vengeance with grace, 
punishment with forgiveness, cruelty with kindness, self-focus with sacrificial love and fear of death with life. There is a divine exchange. And in these moments of greatest trial, you see grace, kindness, sacrificial love and life. And the reason that we know this is true is that when he was hanging on the cross, and consider who's at the foot of the cross. There are people who love him and are weeping for him. There are people who have had him crucified. There are people who have nailed the nails in his hands and his feet. There are people who care so little that they're sitting at the foot of the cross dividing, casting lots for his clothes to see who gets his clothes. He is nothing to them, absolutely nothing. And he looks at every single one of them and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Every single one of them. And he invites us. It's an amazing opportunity to be that sort of person. But we cannot be that sort of person by ourselves. We all know that by bitter experience, that we fail to be like that. We've all failed to be like that. You see, justice, God is bringing justice into the world. And justice is this, treating someone according to their worth. And we do a bad job with justice because we treat people according to what we believe is their worth. And we see ourselves as greater than some people. But Jesus treated everyone with grace and kindness. He treats us according to our worth. He treats you with mercy and compassion because he sees the ordinary as a receptacle of the divine. And you and I are very ordinary, but we're created to be receptacles of the divine. And so he treats us according to our worth of great value, so much value that he would die for us on a cross. It's incredible worth. And we human beings wreck justice so much because we don't treat really anyone according to their worth because Jesus says the greatest love that anyone can have is to lay down their life for their friend. That is according to someone's worth. That's how he sees you. So justice is setting things right and Jesus is setting things right by offering his life and then offering his life to fill you. You, ordinary person, can be a receptacle for the divine. And then he invites you to be his apprentice, to go on this journey to learn to become like this man, this man who does this divine exchange. It's actually who you and I want to be. You want to be like that. And so today when we come to think of repentance, sometimes on Good Friday you might think of repentance as sitting there and thinking of how bad you are. But repentance is a Greek word that is metanoia, and actually it means to change your mind. To change your mind and think differently. Metanoia is the way of change of the mind and heart. It is a change in the intellectual, emotional and moral state in the whole nature of a person, of a man. Repentance is to think differently. Following Jesus means being filled with his Holy Spirit and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, to see things differently. And you may think, You can try to do this by yourself, but you can't do it by yourself. It's like blind spots. None of us think we have them, and that's because they're blind spots. You don't know that they're there. You don't know that there is a different way of thinking until you are filled with this spirit of Jesus who actually enables you to think differently and to see people differently and to love people differently. The early message was not experienced as something its listeners had to believe or to do or else something bad would happen with no connection to real life. 
And that's often how we see it. When people say, I couldn't go to church or the roof would cave in. When people think they're too far from God. That's not how the early listeners saw this message. The people initially impacted by that message concluded that they would be fools to disregard this message. This is Good Friday because a battle is fought against the powers of evil, of sin, of death, of darkness, of sorrow, of pain, of disappointment and heartache, and it is won. Jesus proves through his resurrection that he is the way and the truth and the life, and he showed us who God really is. Whatever notion you have of who God really is, look at Jesus on the cross and there you see who God really is. This is what he is truly like. His love for us and this incredible dignity he gives to all of us is evident in that he suffers for us and reveals what real life looks like and what real love looks like. It's an incredible opportunity today to be invited into this divine exchange. And to do that, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And to do that, you need to do what Jesus did and die to yourself. It's the hardest thing to do is to die to yourself and allow him to fill you with his mind. And then you are led by his Spirit and you listen to his Spirit. You no longer follow the list of rules and laws. You follow the Spirit. And you become a person who is filled with the mercy and the kindness and compassion of God because you have experienced it. And the only reason you can give it well to others is because you've experienced it. And so today we sit in the presence of one who gave his life for us, who lives forever and ever, and invites us into this divine exchange. Consider this great opportunity today. And so I invite you to stand And before we look at the second cross, we're going to look at the three people on the crosses today, Jesus and two people on either side. And um, as we worship, may your worship be from your heart. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks or feels. May you look at yourself and see Jesus on the cross before you, pouring out his love for you. You can sing or you can listen. You can sit or stand, even though I've invited you to stand. But just may this just be, forget everyone else in the room, this is you and this is God who loves you. other people were crucified next to Jesus look at those two people firstly the second cross it says one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed so you're the Messiah are you prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it yeah we can even often look at this man and think well he's like he's the baddie of the story But I look at this man and I see myself and I think we might all see ourselves in this man. Whether you believe in God or not, we've all said to God, 
prove that you're God to me and do it the way I want it to happen. If you're really God, why would you let this happen? If you're really God, why would I suffer this? If you're really God, why would you let me be rejected? If you're really God, why would I experience this pain? If you're really God, why would I be born into these circumstances? So prove it. And so lest we look at this man in judgment and condemnation, let's see ourselves and understand that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory and the beauty of God. And all that means is that we were created for something much better than this. And until we come real before him, what this man is doing is what we all do. We try to divert the tension away from ourselves because the biggest barrier between you and God is yourself. Jesus is inviting us all to see things in a new way. We all have sin, we all have failures, we all have weaknesses, but we all have pain and we all have regret. We all have sorrow and we all have grief. We all have things that we can't understand that we wish we'd never ha- had never happened. We always have things that we wish we'd done and we should have done them and we so wish we'd done them but we haven't done them. We all have things that we're embarrassed about of ourselves. We just don't want anyone to know about. And if anyone challenges us, we, we're embarrassed or defensive. And yet here you see this opportunity for divine exchange when we're real. Only between you and God. Just between you and God, when you let all the defences down and you become real before him, you too can enter into this divine exchange of his grace and his mercy. The reason that we're not real is we're so afraid of judgment and condemnation. And every one of us wants to protect ourselves from that. But when we come to him and we experience his grace and his forgiveness and his kindness and his mercy, we feel his healing hand upon our lives and upon our broken hearts and the things that have hurt us. We feel his restoration and then we see him filling us with life and making us something that we could never have been by ourselves. And so all through the scriptures we see this divine exchange. It says in Psalm 30, You have turned my mourning, my sorrow, into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And in Isaiah 61 we realise this. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted For those who are brokenhearted, the divine exchange is comfort. To proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Where are you captive to? To fear, anxiety or worry or sorrow or regret? You'll be freed. The divine exchange. He gives you the get out of jail free card. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. In other words, get filled with the joy and the peace and the love and the kindness and the mercy of God and you have this beautiful opportunity to be his apprentice, to learn to become like him, to bring this same grace and kindness and mercy into the world and it floods out of you as if it wasn't you because it's the the compassion and the love and the kindness and mercy of God that you have experienced. In 1 Corinthians we read this, The preaching of the cross is, I know, nonsense to those who are involved in this dying world. It seems foolish. And to this man on the cross looking at Jesus, it seems foolish. Why would God be like this? I don't want God to be like this. I want God to come down with fire. I want him to destroy people. 
I want him to, to do it in the way that I want it to do. And it's foolishness to him and to many of us it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved from that death, it's nothing less than the power of God. Not because anyone who has realised that is any better. Everyone is the same. It's a level playing field. It's just that once you see him, you understand who he really is. And so today, in this beautiful opportunity you have, I'm inviting you into this divine exchange. And over here under the fountain, there is a lot of rocks. It looks like this. And I'm inviting you, if you want to, to pick up a rock. And before you do, contemplate, what weight am I carrying today? What weight am I too afraid to give to God? Is it something I'm ashamed about? Is it something I'm angry about? Is it something I'm disappointed about? Is it something I'm hurt about? Is it some unforgiveness deep in my heart? Is it disappointment with God, disappointment with myself, disappointment with people? And you can enter in the divine exchange. It's symbolic. But as you hold it, you think this is what it is. Because when, when Jesus died on the cross, his hands and his feet were nailed and he had no way of using them to do anything. It's symbolic. He had the power of God within him, but he chose to be rendered helpless so that God could raise him from the dead. If he'd got off the cross, the greatest miracle would never have happened. And it's the same for you and I. Unless we lay down everything, you don't see the greatest miracle of the resurrection. You have to lay it all down. And it is the way we don't like it. It's foolish. To, it seems foolish and it seems scary because it's a great risk to lay everything down and see what God will do. But if you lay it all down and you die to yourself and you surrender everything to him, he feels you can enter into the divine exchange. So I'm inviting you to, to um, pick up a stone. You'll have to walk over there, pick up a stone, consider what that means, and then you throw it into the fountain. And when you throw it into the fountain, it's symbolic of this, that God says that um, he washes away our past and it's as if it's at the bottom of the deepest ocean never to be retrieved again and you receive something new and you just you and God can do this I can't do it for you you can give it to him and you can say fill me with a new mind by your Holy Spirit I too want to enter into that divine exchange so let's do that now third cross the other criminal protested don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die ask yourself that question this man is real don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die we deserve to die for our crimes but this man hasn't done anything wrong then he said Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
this man, when he realises he actually has no control over life, the control over life is an illusion. He has this revelation, don't you fear God, even at this point. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How beautiful it is to be remembered. You know when you meet someone for the first time and then a month later you bump into them and they remember your name? How valuable you feel because everyone wants to be remembered. And the idea of being totally forgotten, totally forgotten, is a scary thought that no one remembered you. You know, throughout history, there are so, so many people who have died and they are buried in unmarked graves. What a dreadful thing. But someone remembers them and that's Jesus. He remembers you because of all people and of everything in creation. He is the one who treasures everything about you. He understands the depth of your being, the very fibres of your soul. He understands them. He remembers you. And there's a remembering that happens here because on the night that he was betrayed, when he took the bread and the cup and he broke it and he said, "When as often as you eat this and drink this, this is my body broken for you and this is my blood shed for you and as often as you eat and drink it, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Because you will need to remember the grace and the mercy of God when life doesn't make sense. When people let you down, even when followers of Jesus let you down and you think, is that what God is like? No, remember him. Remember who he is like. When, when, if you don't follow Jesus but life doesn't make sense, remember this, that there is a God who loves you. And he says, when we take communion, we remember him, but you can do this every time you eat and drink. To remember him. To remember as you take the bread and the cup the value that he's placed on you. To remember the forgiveness he has given you, the pardon he has given you, the redemption he has given you, the joy he has given you. Remember, every time you take the bread and take the cup, he says, remember me. Because we forget. If I asked you what happened on your first day of school, you may have some dim memories of a few things, but can you remember every moment of the first day of school? Remember what story they read to you? You Remember who you sat next to? If all those children in the class walked in the room now, would you immediately know who they are and remember them being in your class and remember their names? Because we forget. And interestingly, you know, you can have a family story. Many years ago you could think, remember we went on this holiday and we went to this place on this day and we did this. And someone will say, no, we didn't do that on that day. We did this. We went there. On, that wasn't on that holiday. And suddenly everyone has different memories of what happened. But if since you're a child every week your parents told you something that happened when you were little, you remember it now because you've talked about it. And we so easily forget the grace and the mercy of God and then we start to take him for granted and then we start to treat him with contempt. But if we remembered him, if we remembered him, we would be like this man who says, don't you fear God? And fear God doesn't mean that you are scared of him. It means that you look at him with awe and wonder, that this is the God who gave his life for you and you remember. And then like this man, you cry out, remember me. You know, if when you come to Jesus and if, you, if I asked you the question, are you saved? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know where you're going with your dying? Any answer that you give is in the first person. You don't understand what it's all about. If your answer says, yes, because I've done this, I went to church, I read my Bible, 
I was good, I was kind, I gave money away. You don't get it because nothing about you. This third man on the cross, some of you may have heard it explained by a Scottish preacher recently and he says this. That man said, Jesus, remember me. And imagine he says that he, he arrives at heaven that day, that day, and an angel says to him, what are you doing here? Because I'm not sure. Well, what were you Anglican or Catholic or Baptist or Pentecostal? I don't know what any of that means. How many Bible verses do you know? I didn't know there was a Bible. What, how, what good have you done in your life? Not very much at all. Then why are you here? Because the man on the cross next to me told me I was welcome. Oh, yeah. yes. I'm welcome. Yes. Because all he did was nothing about, it's nothing about me. When you stand before Jesus, it's not I gave, I served, I was kind, I was good. It was like Jesus gave his life for me and that's why I'm here. It's the only reason I'm here, because Jesus gave his life for me. And all this man did was what Jesus has asked for all through the scriptures, to put his faith and his trust totally in Jesus. I rely on him for life. I rely on him for breath. I rely on him for kindness. I rely on him for peace. I rely on him for joy. I rely on him for love. Because without him, I do not have enough love for everyone. I do not have enough peace for all the situations I face. I do not have enough kindness for all the people I encounter. I do not have enough joy for the sorrowful situations I will face in life. But with him, I enter into that divine exchange and I have them. And for these two men, between them on the cross was the power that could make their lives far better. It was right near them. And they had to choose whether to embrace it or to reject it. And you can reach this kingdom where Jesus is the king simply through your heart with your mouth. Through your heart with your mouth. For everyone who confesses that he is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. It's so simple it's almost offensive. Particularly if you've tried all your life to be perfectly good. And you think, what? It's not my goodness. I'm sorry, it's not. It's his goodness. Everyone who calls upon Jesus as master of the universe and prince of life enters into that beautiful kingdom where he reigns in his kindness and his mercy and his love and his power and his justice, his form of justice, which gives value to all people. And we throw away our past selves and he redeems us. And he puts in us a new spirit and we no longer live by a set of laws. We live by listening to the spirit of God every day that we would be like Jesus in this world. Jesus hanging on the cross in our time of greatest sorrow. And when we fail along the way, he lifts us up because it says in the Psalms, though I fall, I will not be cast down for the Lord upholds me with his hand. We will continue to fall. We will continue to mess up. But we look forward to this prize of being like him. And so we cry today, Jesus Remember me. Remember me. With all my weaknesses, my sins, my failures, my regrets, my sorrows, my pain, my heartache, my confusion, my doubt, my worry, remember me and fill me with you and let it all go. You just let it all go and you trust in him to see his glorious resurrection. 
And so now we're going to have a time of communion. And there are some trays filtered around the building. And if you are near them, take one and pass it along to someone else. And then once we all get the cup, we'll take communion together. So you just, when you get it, just peel the top part off and take the wafer out. hold that wafer it's just a symbol you might like to break it and remember that this represents Christ's body broken for you it represents the incredible love he has for you just as you are right now it represents the incredible worth he places on you that he would leave heaven and come to this world to show you how much God actually cares for you would remember that he died in your place he took your sin your shame your pain your sorrow your grief and he died for you that you could be filled with him so as you take this remember him and as you do imagine him filling you now with his life as you eat this bread take the bread open the lid of the cup and this cup this little bit of juice represents the blood of Christ shed for you and he says this blood is the blood of the new covenant a new covenant is a binding agreement with you and your heavenly father a binding agreement that even though you may be faithless he is always faithful he is faithful towards you He works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. As you surrender everything to him, he brings redemption. And all he asks from you is to trust him, to put your faith, your heart rests totally in him. And as you drink this cup, you enter into that agreement with him. It's a divine agreement. It's an awesome agreement, an awe-filled agreement between you and the one who created you and the creator of the universe who came to earth to, sh- to shed his blood for you. Take the cup in reverence.
Thank you for listening to our Good Friday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app to keep up to date on when our next podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.